This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Dean Smith's Liquid Football Podcast. If you're confused and you think you've tuned into the wrong one, it used to be called the Besotted Pride of West London Podcast, but for one week only, we've decided to change its name because we we found out that there are people and teams within this league who can just go and change their name at will. And we thought, if they can change their name, we can change their name at will. So we've decided that this week, this is the Dean Smith's Liquid Football Podcast. And I'm sitting here with a, a semi-beam on my face because I'm very happy. Four points over the weekend on Tuesday nights. Brentford are in a looking in mighty, mighty good shape at the moment now. Some people may argue that they're not, but I think that they are. And uh, we're going to discuss that. I'm in the pub. You can hear the pub is very, very lively. My name is Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in a pub very near to Griffin Park, The Plough. The Plough is a pub which is just on the way down from Northfield Station. It's on the, if you go to besotted.com, every Friday before the match, we publish a little pub guide on Ian Westbrook's away fan guide. And it tells people, if you want to have a little pub crawl, come out the station, pop into The Plough, then go to the Nelson, go to the Globe, go to the Griffin, and then you're laughing. Well, we didn't do the other ones. We're in the globe and we're already laughing. And you can hear people in the background laughing themselves. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant and I've got a smile on my face. I'm sitting here with my chums, my buddies, my Brentford pals. And we are shooting the breeze. Talking about the weekend. Talking about Tuesday night. We've got lots and lots of things to talk about. And I'm going to pass you over because I've got my man Laney. He's just literally just come back from Ipswich. He, he, he just got back about 20 minutes ago. Laney, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, apart from the blooming diversions on the way out of Ipswich last night. It took us two hours to get even to the M25 out, down the A12. Going backwards and forwards, forwards and backwards, backwards and forwards. And uh, yeah, no, he drove us crazy. So Pat, um, who drove, fair play to you mate, he didn't fall asleep at the wheel. Um, yeah, we, we had an interesting journey back. We'll talk, obviously we'll talk about the game, but going back to this pub... Um, we have done a podcast in here before, a long time ago, um, but fans ought to remember that the plough, if, if you haven't been here before, do come here, because they use this as a changing room, Brentford uses this as a changing room, 
one in one of our previous um, stadiums. We well stadiums in our favourite um, previous fields. Ben's Field is one one of our previous homes, and the players used to change in this pub, and then they used to go and play um, in the in the field behind. And then they also used the Griffin as a changing room for the first ever game. So there's it's, it's history everywhere we go around this around this place. So uh, yeah, if you if you never checked it out, come down here and uh, learn a bit of history. And if you know your history, as they say, to the right of me, I've got the person who's on. I think it's her very first podcast of the season. We've been trying to drag her in, but you know she's given all sorts of excuses. You know, you know she's she's just far too busy for us. But now we've managed to collar her and bring her down, and we're very happy to have her back in the house. Miss Ali Malali, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm all right, actually. I'm quite excited, actually. I've had a storm named after me today, so it's been a good day. Although I've got a bit bored of the 501 jokes about Storm Alley, but no, it's been a good day. Well, Storm Alley Malali? Well, just Storm Alley, but it's still no, my Malali. storm. They, they dropped your surname? Yeah. Why? Because I'm that famous. So, so famous they just dropped the surname from the storm? Yeah. So everyone knows who you are? Yeah. God blimey, this is, this is, this is amazing. Can I, can I get your autograph? Okay, thank you. So anyway, listen, she's got a storm named after her, but she can still come in and do the podcast with us. We are so, so honoured. And we've got a man in the house who, uh, well, he's been very busy tonight. He's in the middle of working, but he stopped off, parked his car outside for a couple of hours to talk to us on the, 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 the Dean Smith's Liquid Football Podcast. We've got the man, Jerry the Cabbie. How you doing, Jerry? I'm doing very well. Uh, the meat is still ticking, so let's get a move on with the show. We've got to pick up the tab. Is what I've heard. Is that right? Yes, that is right. You're right. I'll tell you something, Jerry uh, Decabi, we've got to come back to you as well because we're always really interested. Are there any interesting characters that you picked up in the, in the last few weeks or the last few months? Um, well, you know, there's a, there's a bloke who's, he's, he's bought himself a football club. And uh, he's obviously bought himself a wife as well, because not only is uh, Frank Lampard's derby, it's Frank Lampard's wife. And, uh, oh, so, you, so you picked up Frank Lampard's wife, did you? I did indeed, yes. A couple of days ago, lovely lady, very attractive and very nice, very polite. Big smile on her face. Maybe that's me. Big tip? Hey, there was a tip, yeah. She said, don't go to derby without coming back with the three points. <laughs> Can I ask Jerry, have you ever picked up John Terry's... No, anyway, we'll come back to more interesting and more important things, as we say. So listen, Jerry, Jerry the cabbie uh, picked up Frank Lampard's wife, um, who is the wife of the man who's brought Frank Lampard's derby, which is all good. And uh, yes, but listen, we've got loads and loads to talk about today. Don't forget, like I said to you, we always double bubble on a Monday night now, 9 till 10 p.m. on Love Sport Radio. We've got the radio show. This week's radio show, it was all a little bit different. We, uh, we talked about the Wigan game. So if you want to hear the fans from the Wigan game, go and check this out. Tell you what we talked about as well. We also talked about theatre and the bees. And we talked about all sorts of theatrical activity on there as well. And also we talked about the Ipswich game. We had an Ipswich fan from the Blue Monday podcast on there as well. So good little radio show. Go and check it out on Pride of West dot london as well but today we've got lots and lots of things that we need to talk about we want to talk about the wigan match we want to talk about the ipswich match we want to talk about neil malpe he's scoring goals as well but he's also missing goals is this good or is this bad we want to talk about brentford's away form we're going to talk about we talked about this on the on the on the radio show a few weeks ago fake news but it's come back again fake news there was a story floating around about alan judge and that Brentford fans had been chanting some things about Alan Judge, which wasn't too complimentary. Was it true or was it not true? We've heard it was fake news. We'll talk about that as well. Um, we're going to talk about the red button. People watching the game in the, in the stadium, 
and other people watching the game in the red button. And also we're going to talk, of course, about this new team in our league, Frank Lampard's Derby County as well. We've got a five from the high from Chris, from Steve Bloomer's Washing Podcast, the Derby County Podcast. But listen, to Noah Jew, we need to go back to last night. We're going to go back to Tuesday night where the Bees fans and the Ipswich fans were talking about the match where Brentford drew one all against Ipswich Town. Let's hear what the fans had to say right now. So, final score at Portman Road tonight is Ipswich Town 1, Brentford 1. It's a bit gutting, the Dutchman. We, I thought that game was there for the taking. The second half was pretty below par. First half, we did what we needed to do, but, but did we relax? Did we, did we go a bit soft in the second half? What did you make of that? Yeah, I feel very disappointed in the second half. Lots of lessons to be learned from that, for sure. First half, some surreal football. Again, we need to be more than one goal up when we dominate a game because you're never going to dominate all 90. But that being said, first half Ipswich were truly shocking. And somehow we let them have a bit of confidence in the second half. Um, got a bit sloppy. I thought we sat back too deep again. And, you know, they had, well, they hit, they hit the bar. It was coming for a little while. And they got a goal from us trying to play the ball out from the back. I don't want to be too harsh on the guy. He's been through trauma. But you've got to say, Judgy coming on towards the end he didn't really inject any pace into the game at all no he's, he's trying very hard isn't he ever wants to see him do well but he's probably overly trying if his pace isn't there he needs to play a different style of football because he can't keep trying to go around people because it ain't happening and then he's getting frustrated and diving into a couple of tackles but hey you know he, he's had a rough time but um, yeah I'm, I'm not sure he was the impact sub we needed today yeah uh, definitely really frustrating because we had enough opportunity in there to, to go and win it uh, and then they kind of they come. I mean, fair play to Ipswich. They dug in the second half where they were so poor first half. They've obviously had a rollicking half time and they've come out a better team. But then we kind of lost our way. We lost our shape. Little passes that we should make we made in the first half suddenly went awry. I think the three substitutions, all three of them, really never really had an impact that we really needed. Game of two halves, and yeah, you're right. We should have turned them over. Um, they weren't that impressive. They weren't that good. But I'm, it's a point, it's, you know, and we shouldn't be unhappy with that. It's going to be a long season, you know. Let's let's get into this. I'd rather have the point here and be winning next April on our travels away rather than rather worry about it. Yeah, as good as we were in the first half, we were shockingly poor in the second half. Just kept giving the ball is away. That, is that shockingly poor? Is that is that an exaggeration or is no, that fact? No, I think I think we were appalling in the second half. Appalling. I, I, I think the substitutions didn't work. McCracken was having a reasonably good game, quite tidy around midfield. And in the second half, we just looked all out of sorts. We kept giving the ball away casually. All those guys that had reasonably good first halves, uh, Sawyers, second half, just looked off the pace. You know, they upped their game. Obviously, they must have had a bollocking at half-time. And they came out right from the word go at us. But we just lost it. We lost our concentration, our possession just became too casual and yeah point point gain there I'd have said but then yeah with well, the away form's got to pick up a little bit yeah win at home draw away is a good formula but you need to sneak a, a win or two in and really we should have this is one that we should have won I don't know why we took more play off I think Judge struggled to find his feet I thought Canos did a bit 
as well. I thought Ben Rama was still very effective along with Morpai, and it allowed us to keep the ball and keep possession. When we took them off, I think that we lost control of the game on the ground. But some credit needs to go to Ipswich. I think they're really up the game. They closed us down, um, and they're a much better footballing side than their league position um, showed. I thought the second half was very, very poor. I thought we lost our shape. We brought players on what didn't help the situation. Uh, the only person who looked like we were going to score, Malpay, we took him off, and after that we never looked like scoring a goal after that. Uh, their equaliser, where we could play the ball out of touch, just kill it out for dead ball, but no, we tried to knock a ball long, give the ball away, they get a goal from it. After that, we seemed to lose our shape, and we... We looked like a team actually was looking to just get a point and not get three. And it, we probably never have a better chance this season of getting three points. So that's the fans, what they had to say after the Ipswich game. And, you know, Ipswich played on Tuesday night. We had Wigan who we played on Saturday. We got three points Wigan, one point Ipswich. We got four points over two games. Like I said, if you want to hear what the fans said after the Ipswich match or the Wigan match just go to pridewest.london and you can check it out it's all up there on a podcast very very interesting but like I said we're going to talk about the two games overall four points over two games and the question is is this a good thing or is this a bad thing I know a lot of people they were at Ipswich yesterday they made the journeys to go up there very very long journey late at night you know and they didn't exactly discount the match tickets either thank you very much Ipswich but they were not very happy because Brentford didn't perform necessarily as they should have done, particularly in the second half. And we didn't get the result that we should have done because Ipswich were bottom of the league. And people were bemoaning the fact that we should have been getting more points from that from Ipswich. Laney, your thoughts? I think that's the way we have to look at it. I think we do have to look at it as four points over the two games. Uh, I wasn't particularly jumping or... Full of, the, full of the joys of spring coming out of Portman Road last night because we, you know, the plain fact of it, the matter of was, we should have, we should have won the game, but uh, we we do have to, we, we do have to be a little bit sort of uh, grown up about this and not not start crying into our beer and not not overreacting, you know. Yeah, we we, we probably have dropped points there, but. Uh, you know, it, it was always going to be difficult going to Portman Road, and uh, you know they they did rally in the second half. So yeah, four four, four points out of six. I'm is, is a better way of looking at it if you if you want to stop yourself jumping up and down and making yourself angry. Let's forget the Wigan game for now. We can come back to that in a minute. Jerry, one point against Ipswich Town. Is it good enough? Uh, if you look at it on a, an individual kind of game then you would probably say no and if you looked at it from how we played in the first half to how we played in the second half again you'd say no with that but then you know this is a 46 game season you know we're eight games into it and as Dave said if you put in two games together where you're winning at home and, and getting a point away then you, you take that right through if you, if you could guarantee that through the season you take it but we're not going to draw every game away from home. We're going to win some. And we won't win every game at home. We'll draw some. So the reality is, you take it as a, as a batch and take it as a four-point weekend. Uh, I think we'll, you know, there'll be games where we think we'll, we'll take a point here and we'll go and win. So, you know, it's sport. You've got no... 
doesn't matter how well you play as a team, there's another team trying to stop you from doing it. You know, and that's the reality is, is you can play as well as you like, you can't someone, stop someone, well, someone smashes a goalie from 30 yards or whatever, it's the luck of the draw. But, you know, it's four points, as Dave said, it's four points from two games, take it and then keep battling through the season. It's a long old season, long way to go, yeah. Ali, you were involved in a bit of red button action which we'll talk about a little bit later. So you saw the game from a different view than people that were on the terraces or in the stands, as people like to call it now. And also you're obviously watching the social media at the same time. Now, there was a lot of unhappiness with what was going on yesterday at Brentford FC. Do you think it was justified? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I think we had a fairly decent first half, um, patchy in places. I, I don't think we played particularly well second half. Um Ipswich certainly came out and up their game. I think we have to be very careful that we don't get into this. We should be beating teams like because you know we we've been on the other end of it, and you know it's it, Ipswich came out and played second half, and they probably deserved to get a point from the game. They stopped us playing. We weren't great, but they stopped us playing second half. They played to their strengths, and I think actually considering how they came at us in the second half, I think to come away with a point on a Tuesday night long journey it may be a very important point come the end of the season I mean me personally I was I mean, obviously I would love to get three points especially when you're one nil up but I didn't feel anywhere near as bad as I did when we uh, let in the last minute goal against Villa or also when we when we lost against Blackburn where we were watched that game and we were really 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 awful the second half we weren't very good the first half we were good um, I got a message from my Ipswich mate who lives in America now he obviously watched the game um, Russ went to uh, well I actually went to Ipswich versus Inter Milan at, at, at Inter Milan Stadium with him as you do he said fancy going away for a weekend but I thought yeah, alright then what that but also he went to quite a few England games with him as well so you know quite tight and he just messing me out of the blue he goes bloody hell mate your side's brilliant on and off the pitch he goes you're a quality and I, I went well we weren't that good you know as we, as we normally are he goes well if that's Brentford not being good when you sort yourself out you're going to you guys you're going to clear this league no problem now you know we're not going to get carried away about that at all we're not going to get carried away about that but it's interesting the compliments again which are coming for people who aren't necessarily Brentford fans now to me i know there's a lot of people are saying it's interesting they're going we need to sort out the away form we're not doing very well blah this that and the other we should be beating Ipswich and, and that night, I just thinking, is are we you know are we get yes technically Ipswich aren't doing very well but what really are we expecting here we have we've come away from home probably last season the season before we last season we would have lost that you know because we weren't picking up any points but at the end of the day Brentford are looking at probably damage limitation listen we need to be getting the points away picking up the points at home when we know that we can definitely get the points away we can pick them up but to pick up that point at Ipswich you know maybe not the one thing that is interesting also about Ipswich we talked again are about um, again if you uh, I was on TalkSport on, on Monday night um, and, and there's a programme on there which hopefully will go up on a podcast quite soon but we're talking about the XG and the XG um, we were talking about the fact that Brentford are really high up on the XG table um, as in goal I think we talked about it maybe last week goals um, XG and also chances that they ch- chances they had and goals that they scored so Brentford and um there's a couple of other teams as well that are really high on that. You know, Wigan, Wigan, I think Wigan are up there. Um, so they were good. Now, the one team, it's interesting there, was was up there very high on the XG chart, 
was Ipswich Town. So Ipswich Town were actually at a, a high XG, which means they were creating some good chances, but they weren't scoring very many goals. So basically, they weren't delivering in the same way that we are, we were, um, and other teams were. So to me, there's a little sign out there saying that Ipswich are probably underperforming as to where they should be. No, they weren't great in the first half. The second half, he started doing his pressing game, Paul Hurst, as he does. They play different. They play to their strengths, look the ball in the middle, and they got the goal that they wanted to. But they also need a bit of confidence. You know what it's like. When you've got no confidence, you play in a particular way. They get the confidence, you get your tails up. And to be honest with you, I was actually very nervous that we might have actually lost that game yesterday, and I was glad that we didn't. So would you say, would you say I would say then, judging by what you've just said, that Ipswich are in the same position as we were in this time last season and we said for the first few weeks of last season we're in a false position we're in a false position it will all come good so that that comes back to my point I, the teams like we should be beating teams like Ipswich not necessarily no, no but to a certain I, I hear what you're saying I think there's a difference between them this season us last season we were playing wicked football last season yeah. I don't think they're playing wicked football last season but I, I don't think they're as bad as, no. as as bottom of the table the position maybe they could should be 14th or 12th or something like that but you know you don't you know you don't get a goal and you don't draw one all or or you lose a game instead of winning all this kind of stuff i think that that's that's the you know, scenario there but he's brought in a load of players he's brought in a load of new players they've all tried to gel at the same time he's brought nolan who's the new ryan woods from shrewsbury he's brought him in there you know, a little bit of rabbit of headlights because he's saying you need to perform with all these other guys, and they're probably quite similar to what we did, what three or four years ago when we all of a sudden we just basically just changed our team after Warburton, brought in 14 new players and expected them all to play together, and we were all over the place. So all I'm trying to say is that we shouldn't put ourselves down. Yes, technically we should have got a result and three points, but listen, we're still second in the league. Everyone is still saying to us we're playing wicked football, and we need to maybe tack it back a bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, cl- it's clearly the area of our season that needs to be improved. You know, if you've got a hundred percent home record, you know, why why aren't you why aren't you winning away? If you can win at home, I'm not saying with ease because it's not, you know, never with ease. But then you've got, to, you know, when you look at our possession stats and you look at the chances we're creating, you know, that win is only around the corner. You know, it, it, it's a matter of time. And these things I always find, they just go in cycles and they go in phases. And, you know, we'll, we'll end up winning four on the trot and then we'll lose three on the trot. And we, it, 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 there won't be a lot in it. You know, it'll all be marginal. But I think the only, the only stat that we need to look at or the only barometer about our start to the season is the fact that there's only one team in this division that's doing any better than us. And that's Leeds United, and you know there's all, you know all that hype about them, um, and you know you XG. People ridicule us for for looking at the expected goals charts, but Leeds are way way down compared to us. So they they they've been more clinical in the games they've played so far, but that won't last. Basically, the chances that they've created, they haven't been created nearly as many good chances as us. But to be fair to them, they put them all away. So. They pay more money for strikers who put the ball in the back of the net and, uh, and it's working for them. Will they be able to do that all season? That is the big question. If they do, fair play to them. But at the end of the day, it's like <laughs> the, the, the amount of times that you can create few good chances, but the ones that you do create, you put them away. Ipswich did that last season. Pretty much every chance that they put away was going in the back of the net and they were top of the league. Do you remember that? They were like all the way at the top for about, about three or four months. 
and I was like, there's no way they can carry that on. And they fell away in the end, and they ended up being lower than mid-table, if I remember rightly. And, and Leeds did exactly the same. They were in a stronger position this time last year than they are now, but they finished 13th. So, you know, it, it does show that over the course of a season, the, 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 you know, the better teams do rise to the top, or the ones that are creating the most chances, they do finish higher. So, and then... <coughs> If you remember, Millwall, Millwall didn't win an away game until January of this year, from last season, and ended up, I think they finished above us at the 88th or so, so, I mean, it's, it's great to go in and win every single game, win 10 games on the spin, but then the reality is, you, you, you're going to fall off and drop off and have a blip, and then that blip creates kind of losing a bit of confidence and whatnot, so it's always good, I think, to you've got something to aim better for, to improve on throughout the season. And I think if, if, if the last four or five years has taught us anything, it's the fact that we can't go, we can't go sort of like, that, that, that from the depths of despair to the highest, highest, the, you know, the highest heights, backwards and forwards, depending on the results. You just need to kind of see and have a bit of confidence over what's going on. You know, it's clear that we are a very, very good football team in the Championship this season. And, you know, if we drop a couple of points, it isn't, at this stage, it isn't going to be the end of the world. It, it just isn't. You know, yeah, and I, I'll be honest, you know, I came away from Ipswich last night and I, I, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't skipping out of there. But, you know, it's, 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 it was pretty, you know, the four points over the two games is what we need to remember. I mean, and we also need to remember you cannot win every game you're not going to go through the season and win every game you're not going to be nice listen we're not going to win any go- every game but how you do win your games is you get people to put the ball in the back of the net and one person who's been putting the ball in the back of the net is a man called Neil Malpay last season Neil Malpay came to Brentford fresh green off the boat from France and he came over here and we thrust him into the team and he was running all over the place like a sort of headless chicken all over the place and he was very enthusiastic and he was quite sort of aggressive and we quite liked him because you could see that he was one of us and he tried to score goals and it was alright but he was missing loads of chances and I'd like to pull up the stats for last season but I'm not the total stat man and I haven't got it I know I used to say it last season through the podcast how many percentage of shots and target that he had uh, you know it was 74% indeed you know what I'm saying now if I remember rightly is that he used to have I think that he had he had basically is like something like 50% or 54% or something like that of his shots were in target I think it was something like that so like half or less than half percent of his shots in target however the amount of shots that he had was a ridiculously high amount number. So what he did is basically he created a lot of chances last season, and you can see he created loads and loads of chances, but maybe 50% or 40% of them were on target. Now, I'll put the end up, it's not like, oh yeah, I'm so clever, but I just said, you know, when you've got a player like this, he's in our league, he's only going to improve, so don't slag him off. Just let him get on with his own thing, because he's bound to improve year on year. He's understanding the league, the teams are playing with him, and he's a good player. This year he's coming, and apparently he's um, he's the most effective player in the I think the football league because not only has he scored eight goals, he's also got three assists. So he's been involved in eleven of Brentford's fourteen goals, or is it fifteen goals? Fourteen or fifteen goals. That's quite a lot of involvement. Yes. So any team is going to be looking at him, thinking, "Boy, oh, he's quite handy." Because if he ain't scoring goals, he's setting them up. So Neil Malpay is a man now who has transformed. Now coming back to the shots and the stats on that. This season, Malpay's had 21 shots 
okay, in total. Of those 21 shots he's had, 18 of them have been on target. So 86% of his shots are on target, apparently. You know, saved by the keeper, hit the bow. Well, I don't know, hit the bows with him, but 86%. So he's gone up from 40 or 50% to 86%. So what he's doing, he's getting themselves into position. He's having the shots. He's not necessarily scoring them all, but he's getting in there and he's scored eight goals. Now, I'm very happy with this because I think it's fantastic, but a lot of people... Again, and this is not calling them out, I'm just saying, a lot of people, and I think it's fair enough to sort of say, Malpay needs to sort out, man, because he's like, he ain't scoring the goals he should do, and if he did do, we'd be flying, which is 100%. So I'm going to put it around the table. Neil Malpay, one-on-one with the keeper. He's fluffing it quite a lot, and he's not scoring the goals he should do. Is this a problem, Ali? No, it's not, because um, if you look at leaving aside the stats where he was at last season, I, I spent most of last season saying... He needs to anticipate the second ball. He needs to anticipate what's going to happen. He's never in the right place when the ball comes back out. And that is what he's doing. That's where he's getting the majority of his goals, the majority of those goals are coming from. And the one-on-ones with the keeper will come. Because at the moment you can almost see, and Watkins is a bit guilty of this as well, they just want that extra touch before they shoot. They pull, pulls the trigger slightly too late. One more touch, just one more touch and I'll shoot where it should be, shoot now. That, that's my view of it. I think he just needs to... He overthinks it a bit. Yeah, the two, um, <coughs> Wigan Saturday, he had a, a chance really early on, uh, about three minutes in, and I was sat right behind him. Left-footed shot, and that was going right into the bottom corner. Walton pulls off a brilliant save, mm. left-handed save. So, and again, second half, he goes through, uh, he gives Walton the eyes. Walton goes one way, but sticks his leg out and catches the ball on the end of it now. You know, that's good goalkeeping. Sometimes you've got to give it to goalkeeping as well as sort of missed chances. So one-on-ones, I think, will come. You can forget, Neil Morpai is only 22 years of age. You know, there's so much room for improvement. So to, uh, I think what he does for a guy his size, his stature, to be involved so much, to get on the ball, never really gives it away. He always a good pass, always delivers. I think, you know, he's got a big future. So it's just whatever he scores this season, he'll score. There'll always be room for improvement, like with any player in world football. Interesting, you just made a point there, Neil Palpate and his size and his stature. I mean, we've got this whole thing, as we know people who listen to us, we've got um, Derby fans listen to us, we, we pick up players from using our stat system where we find players who we think are really good in particular areas. They, 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 they fly off the radar in, in, in our hotspot areas and we think they're quite good, let's take them on, let's develop them. Now, we've got Neil Balpain's coming. Last season was all right. Now he's looking much better and all teams are talking about him. Do you think the reason why other teams weren't looking at him because as a striker, he's traditionally too small? Yeah, he's, what is he, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and he's not particularly quick either. So you kind of, he's not a lot going for him in a sort of, you would think, in an English game. But he's very, very clever. He does, and what he did, I think last year, what he did, he used to back himself into centre-halves. And they were then able to manhandle him, get their weight on him and, and shove him about, and he'd lose the ball. Now he drops off, he just gets himself a yard or two, we now can get on the half turn, put it out either to one of our fullbacks pushing on or one of our wingers, and then he's making a run into the box. And as Ali pointed out, it's he's now getting himself into positions anticipating second balls being popped out. I mean, the goal last night, the header, that's as good as a header as you'll see anywhere. But it's where he, our boy, it sort of lands at him. He's in the right place, right time, and bang. And yeah, we need to get off his back, if I'm honest with you. He's come a million miles from where he was this time last year. People were absolutely giving him dog's abuse. 
you know, it's, it's one or two, one or two um, Brentford fans who were literally saying that, you know, he, he shouldn't be let anywhere near the first eleven. You know, it was his first first year in the English game. Twenty one years old, just come, just just learning so much, um, learning the patterns of play in the team, learning about the championship, um, learning about a new home. And now he seems to be more settled. He's he's on the same wavelength as as the supply line. Um, he's obviously got to make improvements. If he was a finished deal, if he was a real deal, you know, if he was Harry Kane, he he, he wouldn't be with us. You know, he'd be elsewhere already. You know, he, he has got bags. He's got he's got a long way to go. But it's not it's not like it's it's not like miles and miles. He needs to he needs to be. Clearly, it needs to be a little bit better on those one-on-ones. But you know, as Jerry said, you, you can't you can't legislate for a goalkeeper pulling off a really cracking save. You can't legislate for it being cleared off the line. You know, and and, and he's, the fact he's getting them on target is what you need to remember. And and I and I think he's just going to grow and grow and grow. My my biggest problem is that we rely on him almost totally, and that is that is an area of concern. And I, you know, I don't know if you've watched the Sky um, Championship goals. Sky FL goals, yeah. indeed. Have you seen that? I've seen it quite a few times, actually. Actually, I've seen it about 27 times, and I know everything that happens in every single minute of that programme. OK, yeah, so you're, you, would have, you would have seen last, last Saturday night that they kind of looked at um, more pace goals. And it's the first time I you know. Obviously, we don't get the chance to see it in minute detail. And they said like his first his first move before the ball comes to him is away from goal or away from where the defender thinks he's going to go, and then he goes back and creates space. And they were saying, you know, and I and I trust the the, the punditry because they seem to be very knowledgeable on that show. That that's you can't teach that. That's intuitive. That's an it's a natural, instinctive trait. And um, he looks brilliant at the moment and I'm not going to give him any kind of abuse so you know he's, he's the leading goal scorer in this division and uh, he's, he's, he's the real deal and I mean but let's just come to I mean and, and Malpay we've talked a lot about Malpay we'll move on to about our away form though because this is um, this is quite important we, we touched on it beforehand but our away form why is it we are great at home we seem to be not great away. Is it that we just have un? We haven't quite found the winning formula. I mean, obviously, when we used to play beforehand, we had Ryan Woods, and I'm not sort of saying, "Oh, we're missing Ryan Woods," but I'm just saying we had Ryan Woods, and he picked to play a particular way, and he took the game to his hands, and he can up the tempo or down the tempo, pass the play, um, the game out, take take the game to Brentford, and the away fans are thinking, "Oh my God, he's dictated the play very much so." Whereas, you know, the way that we play now with our different players, when we go away from home. We we don't necessarily have that clock ticking. We we you know if we pass the ball around and we're not, pedestrians not the word, but we we're in control. But we we keep the tempo as it is. We're not necessarily able to switch it up like we should do. I was saying that we did switch it up at Stoke City in the first half. We were pinging the ball around like no one's business. But is it that we're not able to keep it up? Is it that when the team team changes the tactics in the second half, we can't match that? What is it uh, about our away game? I thought I thought. I know, I don't want to keep looking back because there's nothing we can do about it now but I thought actually we did miss Woodsy a bit last night I thought he, he, it was the kind of game where he would have sat deep a little bit he would have been a magnet for the ball 
and he would have, he would have soaked it up, pinged it all over the place, and he would have kind of dictated play. We didn't really seem to have that in the second half. Um, we let we let we dropped too deep. We let them kind of bring the game to us a little bit too much. But bringing that forward, maybe you know we're gonna. I know we're gonna talk about Judgy later on, but maybe there's a role there for him uh, in that in that time in that kind of instance where what we're looking to do now then is like calm the game down, um, take the heat out of the game, but retain possession. We were just kicking it straight back to them, and I, I thought that was a bit naive. We. So far this season, especially at home, we don't look like that inexperienced, naive team. We look like there's something about us. We've got an edge. We, we, we fight. You know, we've got the pretty football, but we also like we really roll our sleeves up and get stuck in. Um, we seem to lose our way, and I, and I think there's, a, there's, there's within our squad we've got the answers to that. But it's still really early on, you know. And, and, and Ali, I mean, there's a player that I really like, and he's coming, in and I was hoping that he'd be able to to just fit in. And just be the absolute business. Um, plays Bafana Bafana is uh, um, um, Makocho. And uh, yesterday you thought that he had possibly one of his uh, worst games for Brentford. Is that right? I don't think he was dreadful. I, I mean, I like I, I like Camo. I think he's a great player. And normally that that whole Camo and then Nico axis, which is obviously brought on Nico to control that situation, works really well. But he he, he just didn't seem quite didn't seem quite with the pace of the game. He was guilty a lot of just hoofing the ball and heading the ball nowhere in particular and so it would come straight back I don't think it was one of his better games and I was surprised he lasted the whole 90 minutes I was surprised that McEachern went off rather than Cameron I have to say So listen, okay, game didn't go according to plan but we've got the one point, we're still in second place, we're very very happy with that, we're going into the weekend to go and play Frank Lampard's derby which we'll talk about later, we're talking to Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing podcast as well which will be all good that's a little bit later but before that if you were in talk to them or listen to our radio show love sport radio which is 558 am on a monday night nine o'clock till ten o'clock some good jokes on there actually and we had a good jokes about fake news a few weeks ago and if you listen to that some proper fake news stories going around well last night allegedly there was a fake news story going around about an alan judge rumor and some brentford fans singing some things about alan judge we're going to talk about this bit of fake news after this little twang and it's all fake news and I'm telling them uh, a really quite a bad uh, Donald Trump accent there but you know I've been, I've been working on that for about for about a month I've been working on that and it's the problem is that I'm so stuck into a French accent at the moment and I'm so perfect at speaking Francais that doing any other accent like you know a Donald Trump American you know southern or wherever he comes from you know, sort of mid-nowhere accent. It's a little bit hard, but I, I, I will try my best. But fake news. Fake news is where it's at. And like I said, on our Love Sports show a few weeks ago, we did a little feature on fake news, which gave us a few giggles. But little did we know, two weeks later, that we'll have a little bit more fake news floating around Riven Park, or as it was, Portman Road. Last night, Brentford played Ipswich. Alan Judge, who got his leg broken against Ipswich a few years ago, which we were very, very, very angry about, I'll have to say. And uh, we actually fell out with the Ipswich fans, who we were good chums with. And because of that, because we were unhappy, because we thought it was a little bit deliberate, and they said, oh, 
No, it's not. He wouldn't be, you know, Hiam, he's a lovely bloke and he'd never do anything like that. So it all kicked off a little bit and we kind of fell out with him because of that because we felt very strongly about it. But a rumour went out, there's a tweet that went out by one particular person who said that the Brentford fans were singing, you know, we hope you break your leg again or something like that. And there was a little bit of a, a sharp intake of breath. It's a bit strong. Then after that, the old backlash came out. I've never heard that. People who are at the game, who was right in the middle of the thick of the fingers, singing the thick of the singers, hadn't heard anything of that at all. And there was not one person that had, could verify that song other than that person who had put the tweet out. Naturally, uh, then Alan Judge, he amplified it by tweeting it, which basically meant it put it all out there. And obviously you've got people going, oh, that's really disgusting. Brentford fans, you're out of order, all sorts of stuff. The old retractions came back with Brentford fans saying, we were there and we didn't hear it. And uh, then Alan Judge came back and said, I didn't think that would have happened, but I decided to tweet that because I thought that it was the wrong thing. And he tweeted something like, you know, there's some idiot trying to get some profile for himself. But this is not focusing on that one person or anything like that, because things can happen. But this is more about the fact how news can get out there and fake news can get out there and immediately how people may react to it. You know, bang. People saw that and immediately like, yeah, yeah, I told you. Yeah, you know, what they're Brentford fans, yeah, what they're like, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, all of, you know how dangerous this situation can come. And also, you know, for a player who is obviously... Listen, Alan Judge, top man, top player. He scored the goal that sent us up. Lovely, lovely bloke. He's been out. He's getting back into the game. We're bringing him a sub. We're trying to get him in and playing and stuff like that. And naturally, when you hear something like that, or you think from your own fans, you're going to be thinking, what am I doing this for? Why am I here? Why should I move on? You know, and for us, that ain't right. Laney, I know that you felt particularly strong about this yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, I, did. I felt really, really strongly about it because um, the last thing that Alan Judge needed this morning was to wake up to that bullshit um, and, and wake up to people. Certain individuals were kind of trying to fan the flames as well. Yeah, yeah, as you said, you know, oh, football, the game's gone. Football's not like that's why certain certain fans don't go anymore because of people like that. Well, people like people like who people that don't exist. You know that that song was that whoever tweeted that they said it was chanted by the fans, which gave the impression that there was a sizable group of individuals that were singing that song. If one person said it or sung it in the periphery of whoever heard it, that certainly doesn't make Brentford fans were singing it. And if that one, if, if someone did sing that, they can hang their head in shame. Um, but there was... there, it, And also, that one person did sing it. Technically, the situation, and I've seen this situation before, where that person would be reprimanded. Somebody would come up to them and say, that's out of order, mate. What would you say that for? That's wrong. And you have a one-on-one with them, and then the situation, oh, sorry, mate, I didn't mean it's out of order, and it gets sort of kind of sorted out in that scenario. But, you know, this to me, and I, I mean, I'm going to put, we're going to talk about the red button later. I wasn't there, but I saw that, and I I went up the old sharp intake of breath. Oh, blimey. If that was the case, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit, that's a bit strong. And I had to get the verification from people that were actually there, like yourself and all the other characters, to say, this didn't happen. Now, sometimes you don't get that benefit. Where sometimes things just spiral out of control, like we said on the fake news thing a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, and then all of a sudden this news is out there when it's not actually really true. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you can't hear everything that's said, you know, and, 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 and you know, even, even though there was only 450 Brentford fans there last night, you can't hear everything. And, you know, some, someone may have shouted that, 
but it would have been literally one person. So the 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 the, the kind of myth that it was a lot of people, it, it really did give the impression that there was kind of like the singers were singing it. It it wasn't the case. I mean, let's say Alan Judge did not have a very good game when he came on. Um, but there was I didn't hear any words of dissent about him during the game. You know, you could say that it was an ineffectual substitution, not his fault. He was he was asked to come on and replace Neil Morpay. But for the for that for that story to have emerged this morning, for Alan Judge to have had, had to wake up from that, I feel I thought I think it was more than unfortunate. And I, and I, but I, I really do think there's also a lot of people with agendas there that are waiting, just waiting to just pour the petrol on, and then just point fingers at trying trying to get fans one against the other. And you know we need to move on from that. Yeah, uh, I mean I saw the tweet like I was coming home on the train last night and saw the tweet, and my first thought was, well this can't be a Brentford fan, surely. I, I thought this is maybe a. An Ipswich fan trying to antagonise things. So I kind of looked at his profile and didn't see anything at all. And I was going to respond to it to say this is absolute nonsense. And I thought, but if you do that, you sort of highlight it even more so. So I just left it. And then it was this morning when I kind of flipped through social media that you start to see. But then the guy who tweeted it didn't tag in Alan Judge. He just put it out. He used his name. But Alan Judge after that was tagged in by somebody else who then retweets the tweet and takes it. So why do you need to do that? What, what are you trying to cause? What agenda do you have to want to do that? I, I just don't get people, like, I don't understand them whatsoever. I don't understand a guy making up the, the tweet in the first place. What point you're trying, and then why would you want to spread a load of nonsense and come out, have you got an agenda? Tell us what it is and we can sort something out. I, I think it's one of the poisonous things about social media, isn't it? The whole, I mean, it's some sort of trolling going on there. There's no doubt about it, whether or not it's somebody intended to troll Judgey or to, to troll other groups of fans, I don't know. And I do not get this when people are dissatisfied with the players. Why they have to tag them in and say you had a shit so as I had a shit game that player knows if they've had a shit game they don't need somebody tagging them on social media and it's it, it's like kids in a playground sometimes it really is I, you know like you I just thought I'm not even going to respond to that tweet because it just fans the flames again that preceded I mean we, we, a lot of the time we actually ignore a lot of the stuff that comes we, obviously we see a lot of stuff comes through our social media feed it's very 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 busy and we do ignore a lot of stuff because again we don't want to amplify the stuff I'm just going to just draw this back to it and it reminds me it's not a similar situation but we had a situation as well where I think it probably was about four about three, three, four, three years ago three or four years ago when Dean Smith I think had just become Brentford manager and we were on a bit of a bad run and there was a Brentford fan out there who had tweeted something really quite nasty about Dean Smith's father I don't even remember that he tweeted about Dean Smith's father and he talked about this and there was death and all. it was quite bad and interestingly the Walsall fans went absolutely ballistic and they said this is out of order this person this is what he's done and they've just the best of it but what, at that time what happened is that you know and, and both Walsall fans and Brentford fans sort of came together saying we don't accept this this is wrong this is out of order um, at the time initially they were saying this is what Brentford fans sweeping statement is like but it's like well hold on a second no it's not it's one person who said something who was out of order it was on social media and both sides came together to say this is actually wrong so this whole forgetting about the, 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 the individual in this case right um, we're talking about incidents in general and basically you know me the old tarring with the with the old brush situation which really 
pees me off for years. You know, you get the tiring of the old brush happening, you know, whether or not it's a race thing, whether or not it's another thing, whether it's a football thing, you know, this whole tiring of the, 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 everybody is the same. If one person does something, it's wrong and very, very lazy. And uh, uh, but social media can actually amplify and make these things happen. And sometimes you have to see something. And we do this again a lot when we see things where we don't make a decision straight away. We see something on social media, you've got to do a little bit of research. Have a little bit of a sniff around to see if it's right before you do something. Because if you don't do it, you become part of that fake news amplification thing. And sometimes you've got to do a little bit of kind of inspector Cluzo looking around to see whether or not it's true. Yeah, so it's, it's really, I mean, it's really difficult because, you know, really you need to have a brain on your shoulders and kind of be quite rounded. You need to listen to all the, all the kind of left and right and north and south and like and then you form an opinion based on all of all of people's opinions and all of people's thoughts and you can't you can't sort of amplify one one troll or one person's um, random tweet um, I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit shocked and I think other other people were that judgy thought that we would sing that and I, and I you know and I, but I'll give, give him the credit give him the benefit of the doubt on this because you know I, if I'm honest with you he, he must be struggling at the moment he's, he's, he's been on a long journey back from that horrendous injury he's having to reinvent himself he's that he, he, you know he, he knows that it's an uphill battle to get to where he was the last thing he needs the last thing he needs is what's happened today he, he wants to get up stretch out get back on the training ground, get ready for Saturday. He doesn't want to field this nonsense from today. He doesn't deserve it either, you know. Whatever whatever kind of player he is, he is a Brentford legend and he doesn't deserve that level of vitriol or that level of kind of evil uh, um, rumour. So, you know, whatever his future is with Brentford Football Club, it's it's you know it, it's good it's, it's a state of flux it will evolve and you know who, who knows what the future may bring but Alan Judge didn't need to read that this morning and I, I, and whoever whoever put that out there just like really hang your head in shame and anyone anyone that tried to fan fan those flames again a disgrace. Listen, we're going to move on because last night's match, which this incident happened, but also goals happened and Brentford picked up a point to solidify their place as number two in the championship. The highest position for, well, since about the 30s, I think it was. Thank you very much. Anyway, but we're going to talk about that because some people were at the match, 455 people apparently, and some people decided to stay at home and watch it on Sky's red button. Is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? We're going to talk about this right now. Red button. Good button. Bad button. David button. What kind of button is this one? Jensen button. Jensen button. Very good, actually. Any other buttons going around? Chocolate buttons. Chocolate buttons. As you can see exactly where the Malalis are. Mine is thinking uh, the, the cab driver. Have you got any, any buttons in your cab? Button moon. Uh, oh, button moon. Laney, you, you, you're going for another one. You're going for a double button. Button mushrooms. Button mushrooms. That's not too bad, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. What about buttons? Button the bench. Oh, actually, no. Sorry, that's really bad actually and we shall move on anyway button red button so Brentford last night they played Ipswich Town now the match is available for people to jump in their cars jump on the trains they can walk if they wanted to they could probably even go by barge but it'll probably take them about 74 years to get down to Ipswich and watch the game which 455 if I remember rightly fans went down and did and saw however 
there's some people that decided it's going to be quite difficult. Should I take time off work? Is it going to be really difficult? Oh, it's too expensive. 30 round picket. We're playing going to Derby. I'd rather go to Derby on Saturday. So shall I sit at home instead and watch the game on Sky's Red Button? Sky's Red Button, if you don't know, what it is is that certain midweek games, once a month, every month, I think it's roughly about the third week, Tuesday. No. Yeah, 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 but it's, but it's roughly it's the third Tuesday of every month. There is a championship spat of matches. <coughs> The third Tuesday of every month and third Wednesday of every month, the Championship Sets matches. And what they do is that Sky put the main match on their main channel, and all the other matches you can get them on the red channel. You know, so it's like one, two, three, four, five. Well, it's Stokes, Stokes actually today, but it's one, two, three, four, five. So you can actually watch any of the matches. So um, on, on on the red button. So this actually has a decision process for Brent for Brentford fans and for football fans as to whether or not we should go and follow our team whether or not we should actually watch the game on television because this wasn't normally available, you know. Beforehand, yes, if your game was on TV, like Aston Villa was on TV a few um, weeks ago, we sit down and go, it's on TV. But now, this is the first scenario where it's like, we can actually, it's a Tuesday night, and we can choose whichever game that we want to watch. And they're all up there. All the games from last night were up there, which is Tuesday night. Today, again, all the games. QPR versus Mill was the main game, but all the other games are up there on a Wednesday night. The red button, good thing or a bad thing? Laney. Um, I, I, I will repeat what I said last night. It, it gives fans, all fans, a dilemma, including the week-in, week-outers, home and awayers. Last night... I spent £70, um, a little bit more probably, to go to the Ipswich-Brentford match. My, my monthly subscription to Sky is about £74. So I could have, I could have paid for my subscription to Sky by, by not going to the game last night and staying at home. Um, and I would have probably got a better view um, and I would have sat with my son and watched it. My, my son didn't go to the game last night. Uh, so it, it gives it gives people like me a a, a a kind of decision to make. People like Laney. Yeah, people like people like me. And that's not to say you know pe- people's support goes in phases, right? So just because I'm going to all pretty much all the games home and away at, at this stage of my life doesn't mean to say I'll be doing it in three or four years' time necessarily. So there might be fans that have done the week in, week out, home and away seven or eight years ago that can't go quite as much. So it's not about saying that you're more or less of a fan because you're going week in, week out at the moment, but it gives you a reason not to go. And I'm never one for thinking that's ever a good thing for, for following your team or getting behind your team there was I don't know I'll, I'll do a straw straw poll finger in the air I reckon there was probably at least 150 200 people that would have been there last night that weren't there so 450 might have been a 600 650 away following and I, I think a, a sizable a sizable proportion of what we would have taken to Ipswich didn't go last night yourself included you know, I, I think if the game wasn't on telly, you would have, by hook or by crook, been there. But it was kind of like it was awkward for you to to, to go because of you just coming back from your, your you know your trip to the states. Um, being at home was better than being away again 
but you could have said, oh, well, it's on telly, so I, I, I can watch it. So it helps you make a decision, you know, and a lot of people would have been in exactly the same position as you. So it, I think it did affect Brentford's following, and that can never be a good thing. I'm going to, just before I pass it out to the Mullally and to the cabbie as well, I'm just going to sort of put through things in. Interesting, so you've, you've thrown out some figures there, 150 people at 30 quid it was at Ipswich, um, 130, you know, 150 people times 30, um, 3,000 to take a little bit off, so two and a half thousand. So let's call it even 2,000. Two. So basically, Ipswich might have lost out on 2,000, two and a half thousand. And, and Brentford fans, don't forget the Ipswich fans. They might have lost out on this. Ipswich fans got to watch it on red and red um, on the red button as opposed to going to the game. So they might have lost out on another 2,000 Ipswich fans as well. It's four or five thousand them. It's interesting to to see what the figure is as to what the figure is, as to what they'll be losing out, or what, what the clubs get for actually being on the red button. Okay, because obviously this is an additional thing that Sky would have put in, and uh, you know probably for every match with the red button, I have got no idea. You know, do the fan, do the clubs get ten thousand or twenty thousand, fifty thousand, five thousand, whatever it may be. Now, to me. I didn't go to that game yesterday, as you said, for various reasons. I've pretty much been out of the country for three months, you know what I'm saying? Um, I've been to Russia, I've been to Spain, I've been to, to, to Florida, I've just come back. And I, I actually didn't even have the motivation to go. I just thought, I'm not going to have the argument with my, my wife. She's been brilliant. She's let me go everywhere, go to football, everything like that. I've been to pretty much home and away every game for the last, what, four seasons or something like that? Five seasons, actually, since we were in Division Division 1. Um, so, you know, and then the season that we even went, didn't go up, five, five, so it's quite a long time. So I'm at the stage now, I'm thinking, actually, you've got to start picking and choosing the matches. I don't particularly like going to, to Ipswich anymore. I'll be honest with you, they, pay, they, they charge 30 quid, which I wasn't really happy with. Um, I know other teams cross, charge more, but they, they charge 30 quid for a, a Tuesday night game, which is on TV. So there was a lot of decisions that I thought, tell you something, and it's on the red button. I've got a lot of work to do that I need to catch up on. I'll do that, and then I'll go home. and I'll, I'll do so, so for me, my decision was made based on my circumstances and I can understand why a lot of people will do exactly the same thing Brentford fans through and through or football fans through and through so you can't slate them off I, I talk to as you know I talk to football fans around the country every single day right I do it you know I'm involved in doing TV bits and pieces so I talk to fans every day and interestingly t- tonight's match Norwich fans you know the ones that I know not going down to you know they're not going down to Reading they're, you know all of them on the red button we're going to watch it on the red button you know um, I'm talking to who else I was talking to I've been talking to all sorts of different fans like you know um, for, for, for matches and, uh, and, and, and and this really has had an effect now the key thing for me is the compensation that the clubs are getting I, I don't know what the compensation is I could probably find out but but if but, but I'm just saying to you is that if for example these, these matches on the TV and all of a sudden, these matches were a fiver. To, I'm just being facetious. Fiver to get into. That really psychologically makes a massive difference. It really does for everybody. If you're travelling away or if you're travelling at home, if there are fiver to get into, because the compensation is coming in and the club say, well, to be quite honest with you, we still need the fans inside this, that and the other. But we've got a scenario where the prices stay the same. Ipswich are still charging 30 quid to come in. You know, a lot of people are thinking, to be quite honest with you, I don't need the asshole, I can stay at home. And it's, it's, it, it, there is a negative implication here. Well, no, it, the problem is it gets people out of the habit of going to away games. And that, that's, that's, that's a fundamental problem, I think. You know, 
whether whether you get, I mean, the, the, the figure that was going around, it's up, completely unsubstantiated, was that there was a two million pound per club payment for this for this facility. Um, that sounds a bit over the top to me, but let's call it that. But the, when when you start saying um, we're going to get a windfall every season for allowing midweek games to be televised, all of them, um, and then we're going to have to heavily discount um, fans to to go to the game, it's like well, just leave it as it was, um, because fans just do get out of the habit of going to midweek away games, and you you really do miss the the games under the floodlights, that special unique. Moments uh, uh, that are midweek games, and the minute the minute you stop that, I think football's the, the poorer for it. Again, and I'm, and I'm going to come to Ali in a minute, but there's a, let me just put my devil's advocate head on, which I I do like to do sometimes. The fact is that there's an argument to say that this opens it up to a lot more fans actually seeing the team and seeing the team. No, I'm just saying. I'm just whatever you may say. We had 400 fans there, so maybe we might have got 800 fans there. Which, listen, for me. I'm there all the time. I travel and I go to games all the time. There's more fans watching, more fans watching it on telly. You know, it, it's great to have a big fan base, but you know, it's only Sky and the advertisers are going are to win from that. It's, it's about they could, okay, I'm going to argue then. But they'll, but they'll only win from that if no one gets anything back. At the moment now, nothing's changed. All they've done is they put it on TV, which means less people watch it. Um, live, but the fans aren't getting anything. If the fans started to get something back, at least, then you can justify it. But there's no, there's the you, you know, you know, it's going to be Saturdays next. You know, it's the next thing. It's not just Tuesday. It becomes then Saturdays three o'clock. It's coming. But the other side of this is that there are a substantial number of people who, for whatever reason, myself included, cannot do long away trips midweek. So we actually get to see the game that we would have got to see. And we wouldn't have been going to that game anyway. I wouldn't have been going to that game anyway. Kids have got to school the next day. You know, if it's down the road, if it's QPR Fulham, yeah, fine, we get back at a decent time. Get back at 2 o'clock in the morning. The kids have got school. It's not going to happen. Uh, leaving at, I can't leave home at half three, four o'clock because I've got to pick the little one up from school. Husband's not back from work. So I would never have gone to that game anyway because I couldn't go to that game. So it opens it up to the people like me who, for whatever reason, would not be going and cannot go to those games. So that's the other side of it. So I, from a purely selfish point of view, I was quite happy that I could watch and that's, the game. That, that's my devil, Until we got to the that was my devil's advocate, yeah, which I was trying yeah, to say. Absolutely. I was trying to show there are two sides to this there coin. Jerry? Just, but then, from that, you're sort of, you're rolling it up to people, you're opening up the can of worms and you're Pandora's box, because as Dave said, where's, where does this, what does this lead to in sort of three, four years down the line? It's every Saturday game that's just shown. So you know, but is it? I mean, at the moment, Saturday games are protected by the rule by the rules. I just, I, th- I just think it's kind of like Sky just trying to get a market share or something. You know, I mean, the whole football in this country and around the world was built on people paying money at a turnstile to go in and watch it. That's why it's got an atmosphere. That's why that's why Sky pumped in all the money. You know, because of the excitement of it. So you're then going to a point of. Well, we'll take some of that away because we can show it to people who don't want to go to the game. You love no way, friends. You love no atmosphere. You know, you sort of, you know, where, 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 where are we going to be in five, six years if this carries on? Well, what we're doing is playing into the broadcaster's hands because what happens there, you become more and more reliant on the same revenue stream. 
You've got Sky at the moment who are pumping billions and billions of pounds into the English game. And it's either, it's, it's either all or nothing as far as I'm concerned. Well, not as far as I'm concerned, but if, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna give them kind of the monopoly to show what they want when they want, you might as well chuck Saturdays in as well and, and just get a ridiculous, and even more ridiculous amount of money for it. But then, what happens is all the other all the other publishing or the other broadcasters they fall by the wayside and they can't compete anymore. Then the money starts to go down. It doesn't go up anymore. They all they they're, they're you know Sky B Sky B are paying a huge amount of money, and the only people that are currently benefiting from that is the players. Um, you know, all the money is going on wages, and you know, fair play to the players. You know, I'm not going to begrudge them that. It, it... And this is the point. This is what I'm trying to say to you: is that somebody has to make a stance where the where somebody else gets back out of it. If they're going to do this on a Tuesday night, which they're saying it benefits the fans, which is fine. But at the end of the day, is that if they want to get some fans in the stadium, maybe they need to incentivize them a little bit more rather than Ipswich, which I was shocked that they charge 30 quid still on a Tuesday night when it's on the red. Because you're thinking if people are on the borderline, why are they going to do it? We look at the Norwich game um, just before Christmas. What we played, we played te- a tenner each and we took loads more than we would normally have done. 12, yeah, 12, 1300, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, the, the, the clubs have got to... I mean, to be f- they've got to f- they've got to fight a little bit. They, they have, but there are certain clubs that will just charge whatever, whatever, and, and it, I think it's which is probably one of those. A lead. See, this is, but this is the this is the thing though. Like, so it, it becomes you're you're, all, you're automatically so you've taken some wedge, you've taken some money from the broadcaster, and they've got the facility now to to, to stream or to, to to broadcast all midweek games. Fans, fans didn't ever say on this, by the way. It just happened. Yeah, no, it just happened. So. So, no, so the football league chairman or the, the people that vote, they agreed to this. And now the, the clubs then have to incentivise fans to still want to go. And that's you're always on a sticky wicket then because you're like, there is actually no reason to go now because you can stay at home and watch it on telly and you can not have any arguments with partners. You can not spend seven hours of your day travelling here, there and everywhere. You can not spend silly money on getting there, and and all, all the all the peripheral spend that goes with it of the beers, the pies, the whatever. You can stay at home and watch that game. But I'm going to ask a question, I'm Laney. I mean, this is very important. I'm just saying, hypothetically, if a Tuesday night game was five quid, do you think people would be motivated to go to it? And I'm just using that. I'm being facetious using that figure. Some yes, some no. But more. Yeah, but listen. It's like saying, do you like this pie? Some people like it. Some people don't. The question is, it's thirty quid at the moment to go to Ipswich, right? Four hundred Brentford fans went to it, right? So if it was fiver, do we think we'd get eight hundred or nine hundred? Yeah, yeah, pro- probably we would have got more. We would, no, we would have got more. It's not probably, we would have got more, 100%. Of course, of course we would. No, Ipswich are just ridiculous, they're, they're idiots. To think. So, so the, my question is, if, if this TV thing has come in where the fans haven't been asked about it, it's just been thrown upon us, and then they expect us to turn up and have lots of atmospheres at the other, what are the fans getting back for it? At the end of the day, we can't think of anything because it's already been done. But if they want people to turn up, surely they should say, tell you something, here we go. It's a fiver. Let's get you in. Just like what we do for these League Cup games. Arsenal are charging kids a fiver and adults a tenner because they want to get them through the door. Maybe for this time next week we'll find out the amount of money that each individual club got for, for this. And then we can work out because if it, if, it were, if it was £2 million per club, 
for, for, for this, then they ought to just make away, away fans free because they, 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 they're, they're winning twice. You know, just just incentivise people by saying it's a free ticket to get in because we want away we want away fans in there. We've been paid we've been paid for you not to be here already. So the, 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 it seems to be maybe the clubs are being greedy. I don't know. Well, I've actually I think I've got that figure, and I'm going to go through my emails later, and maybe by the end of this podcast we can actually just briefly discuss it when we're talking about Derby and uh, also talking about Arsenal at the end of the podcast. But Ali, you got one last say on this one? I'd, I'd be interested to see how it affects attendance at our game against Birmingham in a couple of weeks. It's interesting you should say that as well, because as I said to you, I talk to fans from every single club all around the country every single week. I talk to them in and out, you know, yeah, my chums, because I chum with them as well, like, you know, and Birmingham City, I talk to Davo, but he works for the club now, so I don't talk to him so much. No, he's a good bloke, Davo, but no, it's um, Brummy Joe now as well, who's talking to he's going to be coming down, um, and, and, and I chatted to Brummy, he said, Brummy, you're going to come down for the game, everyone's all over it, and he goes, I can't find anyone to come, Bill. No one's going to come. Last time, Birmingham was coming down their droves on a Tuesday night, but he was just saying that the vibe is that they can't get anyone to come because they're obviously thinking it's on the, it's on the, it's on the, red, it's on the red button now. So do we really have to go down? So it's a really interesting situation, like, you know, which is happening at the moment now. But anyway, listen, good conversation. I'm sure this conversation will go on with weeks to come and we'll be testing and asking questions. Laney? I have to say though, this isn't a, this isn't supposed to be a um, a red button to beat other fans with. You know, it's about you know a lot of a lot of fans can't afford to go to games Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. But and this makes the decision a little bit easier for those people. It does make it easier, and I'm going to have to say I'm going to put my hand up. And like I said to you, I'm home and away. I do games all season, and you know I think that not saying you got the right to, but you know you make a decision. And last night. I made the decision quite a while ago that I wasn't going to go to that game and I must admit I actually really enjoyed it sitting down having a beer not having the hassle of trying to find a lift and coming back at 3 o'clock in the morning and having to explain to my wife why I was away again after being away for three months and it just made my life easier but I was still able to watch my team Preston's the big one you know will anyone go to Preston it's a midweek game up up in, the, up in Lancashire. Well, well that's the question. I mean, I, again, Lainey, I said to you, let's book our picks for Preston, and you're the one that says we don't need to, Bill. It's on the red button. You know, so what I'm just saying is that it, th- these things swing around in different ways, and immediately you're thinking, we don't need to go to this game because it's on the red button, whereas I was thinking, but Preston is a, is a must-go for us. Does, Tuesday night, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, whenever it is must-go, but all of a sudden, this red button has changed the thinking on Preston, and also at the same time, not only that, you think, well, if even if we go, a lot of other fans will go, so it, the atmosphere may not be the same inside the ground as what it will be. So, yes, these situations you do have to think about as a football fan. Jerry, just quickly. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say now after that. But, uh, no, I was just... The only thing it would work for me is if red button, but you could only watch the game on the following day. So if your team played on the Tuesday... You could only see it. You couldn't see it till 24 hours later. Otherwise, I just think you're right. That's not a red button. That's just like that's like, that's like watching the match of the day back in the day. You know what I'm saying? So, so Jerry, you, you, I don't think you've really sort of uh, absorbed this concept. Have you have you, have you have you got digital? Have you got a digital TV at all? Or have you got the, you got one of those old tube TVs? Was it with the four channels that you push the button? Is it? I'm, I'm still on tube, tube TV for me. CRT, the old cathode with a Betamax video as well to boot. See that? See these cab drivers. These cab drivers, they've got no idea what's going on. I wouldn't trust them when they tell you they know everything. Like you know, I'm saying they've been speaking to everyone and they've been earwigging on your conversations. They are actually completely. 
and utterly out of tune. But anyway, we shall move on because we are going to talk about Frank Lampard's derby next because they're a new team that have come in the league and we need to find out some information about them. So we are going to go over and we're going to speak to Chris from Steve Bloomer's pod and he's going to give us five from the hive. Five from the hive. Derby County. Hello, it's Chris Parsons here from Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County fan podcast, answering questions for B Sotted and their five from the hive ahead of Derby v Brentford. Frank Lampard's Derby County. New team name, new philosophy. How's it going so far? Well, it's been up and down for Frank Lampard in his first eight games. We've uh, won points where we didn't necessarily deserve to, as we did of our late winner against Reading on the opening day and there's been games more recently like the one against Blackburn where we were much the better team had way more attempts on goal and we battered them frankly but didn't get enough from it which was frustrating for everyone and I've had a bit of everything in between as well Um, Derby fans don't really feel like they've faced the best that the division has to offer so far apart from Leeds who completely turned us over at Pride Park in our first home game 4-1 so we're on the cusp of the playoffs. We're just outside at the moment. Got a decent points tally, but we're aware that we haven't really played many playoff contenders so far. Um, Frank Lampard's had to adjust a few times this season. Started with a quite an attacking, fluid 4-3-3, but he's had to rein that in slightly and play two more central holding midfielders to try and stop shipping as many goals after a couple of defeats to Leeds and Millwall earlier in the season. You have a squad of about 524 players. Do you think Frank Lampard knows his best team? So does Frank Lampard know his best team? Well, it's difficult to say, really. He has played more than 20 different players so far this season, um, which is among the highest number of any team in the Championship. But I think, to be honest, he just wants us to take a look at everyone, really. There's... um, Some of these selection issues have been due to injury and suspension and form. And I think... There's been players like Curtis Davis who would be playing if they weren't injured. Uh, Jack Marriott, a new signing from Peterborough who isn't quite match sharp yet so he hasn't really had a decent run in the team. And even players like George Evans, a holding midfielder who who looks a decent proposition but came off injured 20 minutes into his league debut. So yes, we have played a lot of players and we do have a big squad but part of that has been forced upon him, forced upon Lampard by, as I said, injuries and uh, other selection issues but in answer to, in answer to the question I don't think he really does know it so far um but yeah hopefully as the season goes on we'll start to see a more settled starting 11 in uh, the next couple of months in October and November Florian Josephson he joined Derby in the close season from Brentford he improved massively at our club from super sub to starting most games last season. How has he been at Derby? Florian Josef Zoon, uh, yeah, the new signing from Brentford in the summer. Um, took him a while to break into the team, didn't start straight away. Um, he didn't really start for the first three or four games, but he has become a bit of a fan favourite since then. You told, you told us yourselves that he is direct, likes to take players on, and we have seen a lot of that, but he does tend to dip in and out of games. He he made some great contributions in those those two back-to-back games against Hull. Uh, got off the mark in the cup game in a 4-0 win up there. 
last month or earlier in September. Uh, got his first goal. Great run from the halfway line. Took on a player, went outside, drove it low across the keeper into the corner. And then a few days later in, a, in the same game up at the KC, he got a late winner uh, latching on to a, a ball across goal to drill home in the 89th minute. So really endeared himself to the fans there. And he does like to take a player on, which fans always love to see. But in the in the recent games against Blackburn, he did drift out of the game a little bit. And against Rotherham, he was sort of invisible, really. So need to see a bit more consistency from him. But Lampard does seem to like him. He, he does seem to be one of the first names on the team sheet now. So um, hopefully we'll see a bit more from him. Derby County were rumoured to be in a financial pickle last season, but they bought in Frank Lampard. They changed the team's name to Frank Lampard's Derby, which must have cost a lot of money, and they carried on spending. Is this season shit or bust for Frank Lampard's Derby? Financial fair play, yeah. Derby were rumoured to be in a bit of a financial fair play pickle last season, um, and... You're right, when Gary Rowett left for Stoke, he the, the the thinking among Derby fans was that he left because he didn't really have much money to spend, whereas he went to Stoke because they had all those parachute payments in the Premier League, of course. And the owner did come out and say in the summer that um you know that the money wasn't going to be there to spend and we were looking to to tighten our tighten our belts, um, lower the wage bill, but in the summer Basically, the complete opposite happened, really. Um, I think it, I, I literally lost count of the number of signings we made. I think it was 10, or maybe it was 9 in the end. Um, granted, a few of those were on loan. Um, Fakir Tamori, the centre-back from Chelsea, on loan. Mason Mount on loan from Chelsea, of course, who's been our standout player this season. Uh, Harry Wilson on loan from Liverpool, who's battling with Josef Zoon for that, that wide attacking slot in the first team. So obviously they didn't come with transfer fees, but we still go out and spend big on on Martin Waghorn from Ipswich, um, Josef Zoon, of course, uh, Scott Malone at left back, which is a real curveball, and Jack Marriott. But it's not really all it seems. We did recoup a lot of money over the summer. I mean, even Stoke gave us a couple of million for Rowett in compensation. We got fees in for Andy Vyman, a couple of million for him at around or one point five million for him when he went to Bristol City. Around ten million for Matte Vidra when he went to Burnley, and even a few hundred, a few hundred thousand quid for uh, Cameron Jerome when he packed his bags and was sent off to Turkey. So a good, uh, a good thirteen, fourteen million there in uh, in fees, which has helped offset the, uh, the spending that we have done. And I think you know fin- financial fair play is a concern, but. The feeling that Derby fans have, and that maybe Mel Morris has as well, is that maybe just go for it. You know, maybe the punishments aren't as bad as 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 people make out. When you look at the punishments that have been uh, that have been levied against like Birmingham and teams like that, maybe clubs are starting to think, let's just go for it anyway. It, it's a it, it is a risk worth taking, and I think that the thinking among Derby fans is that Mel maybe Mel Morris is going down that road as well. Saturday is a huge test for both teams. Brentford are looking for their first away win. Frank Lampard's derby at home against the bookies' new favourites for promotion. How will the game pan out? Give us a score prediction. So Brentford on Saturday, it's going to be a really tough game. Probably a very different test to the one that Blackburn gave us in the week in that goalless draw where Derby had all the possession 
and all the attempts on goal. I think Derby fans still have nightmares about the, the trip to Griffin Park last season when Derby only had 25% or so present possession of the ball and um, did go ahead but conceded a late equaliser. The game at our place last season, I seem to remember it, it was a 3-0 win for Derby in the end, but the game did completely turn on a Brentford sending off. So I don't know if that's necessarily a fair reflection of, uh, of of the contest, really. So Derby fans are aware that you know Brentford have had a good start, although they have lost to Blackburn, but they're still riding high in the table. And as I say, it'll be a different test. I think Brentford will look to get the ball down and uh, and, and and attack Derby in a different way. So the Rams can't really let Brentford dictate possession, which I know that, that they do tend to like to. Clearly, we need to keep uh, Mope quiet. He's your main man for goals. Um, and Tony Mowbray said after the Blackburn game that there was a bit of a gulf between Derby and Blackburn in terms of quality. I'm sure that won't be the case against Brentford. Two teams who, who like to play fast, attacking possession football. So it should be a good game, I hope. And uh, I think in terms of a prediction, I'll go for uh, for a score draw. So, Chris, the Parsons from the Steve Bloomers podcast. And, uh, well, you know, Derby County, or, sorry, Frank Lampard's Derby County, because they're a new team in the league now. There is an argument to say that they actually should have been in the, uh, they started in the ninth division, you know, just like AFC Wimbledon had to do, and work their way up. Is that FLDFC? Frank Lampard's Derby FC. That's right, Frank Lampard's Derby FC. They should have started in the lowest division and worked their way all the way up, all the way to the conference, then into the league, and then up, you know, and it probably would take nine or ten years, but, you know, there's no way they should have just been able to change their name and then just continue as they were. It's absolutely ridiculous. Probably needed to start down where Lake Norian are. Well, you know, that is an interesting thought, actually, you know, so, you know, that is Barry Hearns of Lake Norian, is it? Never heard of him. Never heard of him as well. But listen, Derby County, or Frank Lampard's Derby County on Saturday. Um, it's going to be an interesting prospect for us because I think it's going to be actually, I mean, we played Ipswich and we expected we should have beaten them, but it didn't quite happen, but forget that. You know, this, we did at Aston Villa, but I actually, and this is interesting, and I'm going to make a point here, I actually think, and this is, shows how the tables have turned, I actually think Aston Villa actually raised their game against us. They thought, we're playing Brentford, and they actually did all their homework. And just like when Primso said to us, oh, and Brentford come, and they actually kind of like, it's like their cup final, they raised their game against us, and they played brilliant against us. But since then, they've been rubbish. Right, you know, so I think that's a really interesting point. It's a 46-game season, as we say. You've got to do it all the way through the season. So Aston Villa, forget them. Derby County, I think it's going to be a very interesting test for us because we've gone there last season. We were rubbish, you know, or we didn't were rubbish. We played all right until we got the sending off and then we just fluffed it. And we need to be able to go to Derby County and actually get a result because we don't actually really get a result when we go to the, well, the new baseball ground, the iPro Stadium, which I hate calling it that because it's obviously the name of some sort of kind of sort of like, you know, some sort of pen company. Pen, pen, pen company or something like that. I've got no idea what it is, you know. So I... We go down there and this will be a real tester for us. They're playing or trying to play similar football to us, playing it out from the back, you know, passing the ball around. Uh, Frank Lampard, like I said, he signed about 797 players. So it'll be interesting, you know, he obviously just puts all the balls into a, into a pot and then picks out 11 balls and that's going to be the team for the day. So, you know, he probably won't even a goalkeeper. Right? You know what I'm saying? He'll probably have a defender in goal and, you know, an, 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 an attacker in defence and stuff like that. But we need to actually perform on Saturday and I think this will be a really good test and I think it actually be good for us against a team that's playing football alley 
No, I agree. I think actually we'll probably. I think everybody's like, oh, we've got to get this monkey. Well, they're not, but start to think about a bit of monkey at the back about the first away win. And I think actually, because Derby play in a similar way to us, they're not probably not going to be in our faces the way uh, Ipswich were, Villa were to an extent. I think it's a really good chance to get that win because I just think at the moment we're probably better at it than they are. A bold statement from the Malali there. Um, Jerry the cabbie, um, when you picked up um, Frank Lampard's wife the other day, did she, I mean, did she give you any indications on, on Frank Lampard's derby and how they were going to approach the game against Brentford? Well, she said his derby was a bit firm. I don't know if that was his stomach or the team, but um, it's a bit interesting because it's a newish team, isn't it, derby? So many new players, him himself, will he be on the touchline? He got sent off last week, paid a big fine. Uh, so does that mean that Jody Morris is running the team? They've got a couple of young Chelsea players they brought in. There's a few players that have let go. Vidra has moved on, isn't he, to, to, to Burnley. So they might be in that kind of uh, same mould as Ipswich were, as in sort of not quite sure how they're supposed to be playing, not quite sure how the team gels amongst itself. So there's an opportunity for us. So I think, but with us, I think we just got to go and play the same way and we will play the same way we play every game. And if we do things right and... You know, play as a team. There's no reason why we can't get the three points and, you know, that first away win, although it's not vitally important, but it's just nice to do it. Just as I think as Dean Smith always says, it's about performance. If they put the performance in, they'll get something from the game. We've got, we've got to be confident there, to be honest. Uh, we've, we've not won at the iPro or the GoPro or whatever it's called. Uh, so we're, we're, we're overdue a win in Derby. So there's every chance we're going to get it, if I'm honest with you. They're, they're not as good at playing football as we are in that style. If we're, if we're on our A game, if we, if, we're, if we play like we did in the second half at Ipswich, we're going to lose. Um, if, we, if we play like we did uh, pretty much in every home game, then we'll win. You know, it, it, it's, we, we are very good at what we do, but we need to get back at doing what we do best. And we didn't do that in the second half at Ipswich. I think the players would be really up for Derby. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's probably, well, obviously Stoke was a big test for us. But Derby, Derby again, there's a lot of hype about them. So I, I think I think the players are going to be like posse for it. Sergio Canos tweeted today that they, you know, they, they were all up for ready to go again. And, you know, that they were disappointed for last night. I don't think the players themselves would probably need any sort, any any kind of kind of ramping up or any kind of geeing up for, for the game. They know that Derby away is always is one of the biggest games of the season, or one of the one of the it's, it's it's one of the it's one of the tests of the season. You know, Derby always blow out, so it's it's not like it's not like their kind of Newcastle a couple of years ago. Um, so. I think, I think we're going to do all right, mate. I think we do all right. Okay, so listen, everyone's confident about the Derby game. Should we go down and do some predictions or should we just move on? What do you reckon? You know, should we? You can do predictions. Okay, I'm going to say 2-0 to Brentford. Really. I'd say 2-0 to Brentford. I'd say 1-0 Brentford. 3-1 Brentford. Okay, so everyone's fairly confident that we're going to get a result against Frank Lampard's Derby County. I'm just going to ask you, if we played Derby County instead of Frank Lampard's Derby County, how do you think we should have done? I think if we played Derby County, we would have lost 1-0. How about yourself? I think we'd have lost 2-1. 3-1. Draw. Yeah, so obviously Frank of Derby County is much more respected than Frank Lampard's Derby County. They think that he's probably 
going backwards. That'll be interesting to see how that goes on Saturday. But listen, we're moving forward because on Saturday, and we've got another game coming up on Wednesday before our next podcast. We have got another game coming up on Wednesday. Well, I've heard we're going to North London. We're going to North London. We're going to my manor, North London, mate. You know what I'm saying? Not quite Barnet, actually, but we're going to North London. Not quite Enfield either. Like we're going to North London. Finchie and Wingate is a very good club, but we're no, we're not going down to there. Like you know, we're going to my manor, in North London. All the bees, the West London, are coming down to North London. They'll be taking days off work. They're going to come by boat, by plane, by helicopter, by bus, by car, by walking. All sorts of malarkey. As they, not Stevenage. No, it's not going to be Stevenage. No, you know, um, which is all good because we are playing the mighty, mighty Arsenal on Wednesday in the Caribbean Cup. And uh, yeah, and the Caribou Cup, and people are getting quite excited. But it's interesting because people are excited, but they're not as excited as we were when we, when we played Chelsea the first time, where there was an enormous amount of excitement and people are queuing queues around the block, queuing in the snow. And I think people are just taking it in their stride. So we're excited. We want to play them. We're happy for that. But I'm just going to ask this question quickly. We're playing Arsenal in the Caribou Cup. You know, we've also got uh, Frank Lampard's derby on Saturday. We've got Reading the following Saturday. Do you think? This is a bit of a distraction, Ali Milano. I think the team selection for Arsenal is going to be really interesting, actually. Um, does he stick with his Caribou Cup team or does he play his, in inverted commas, A team? Because, you know, if you're, I don't know, Lewis McLeod, Josh McKechnie and whatever, and you'll go, you know, no, I'm going to rest you tonight for Reading at home. I'm going to rest you against Arsenal for Reading at home. There's a little bit... It's, it's a difficult... I think I think team selection is going to be... I don't know. I wouldn't like to have to make that team selection. And I think we've got to... The league has got to be our priority. But every player in the squad is going to want to play in that Arsenal game. And it's going to be really... I think it's... I wouldn't want to be Dean Smith making that team selection, put it that way. And do you think the players might have their eye off the ball against Frank Lampard's derby on Saturday then? No. No, I don't think they will, actually. No, I, don't, I think it's a healthy distraction. I don't think they'll take the eye off Saturday. Um, and I kind of, if if it was if Fenger was still at Arsenal, you'd know that we'd be playing against a lot of his fringe players and a lot of his young products coming through. So it'd be interesting to see which way the new manager goes with it. So because if it was Wenger, you could say, all right, well let's just put in our fringe players because you, you'd still give them a good game. So, but I I, I think. We were talking about Alan Judge earlier. This is a game he has to start. I think this is a game that Nico Yanaris has to start. So there's two of your three midfield players. And then it's kind of, I think there'll be a lot of first-team players, but quite a few of them will get 60 minutes rather than a full 90 minutes. I think we'll have a strong team out. I think whatever midfield three, central midfield three we put out will be strong because that's the depth of our squad. So but I, don't, I think it's a healthy distraction. I don't think it's going to take any minds off of Saturday at Derby or the following week at Reading. I think it's a, it's a game at the right time for me. Uh, I think this stage of the season you go as strong as, strong as you can. Uh, I, I, if, it, if it was the FA Cup third round um, and we were sort of another four months further in, in the season and we were in second place, I, I think you probably might go a, bit, a little bit lighter um, because you're that much closer to seeing the prize. At the moment, anything's possible, and, and the, the chances are, if we play our best team, we, there's a chance that we could 
do a job on on Arsenal. Let's be honest. You know they're still going to be favourites for the for the for the tie. Let's not be fools about this. But um, you know the last thing we want to do is go there and be humiliated as well. So we don't want to go too weak. So we need. To, I, th- I think we go to Arsenal as strong strong as we can. What does strong mean? The best the best possible team we could. Okay, so name name players who should be in there. Well, yeah, so more pay, more pay up front, and I, and I think um, it's one or two plays, one or two players that you could swap out. Maybe like Mepham out, Jean Vier in. Um, you know, I, 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 I like the thought of uh, Judge starting. I, I like, I like the thought of him, and I think Nico Yunaris to go back to his old club and have a point to prove. I like that too, but you know. I don't, I, I, th- I think we just go. I, th- I think it's almost like uh, Daniels or, 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 or Bentley. No, ben- Bentley. No, Bentley. Ben- ben- Bentley could be a future Arsenal goalkeeper. You know, he, he, I think I think he's good enough. So, so we should sort of play him and then just leave him in the dressing room. And they can just have him off the game. No, no, no. I, I, we, we go there. We go there trying to win the game. And I, I don't. I don't think we go there trying to not not lose heavily. And I think we, we, we go and show what Brentford's all about. You know, let, let, let it be a showcase for Brentford. There's been a lot of hype about us this season. Or people, uh, media, you've got, you've got p- pundits that have previously slagged us off saying nice things about us now. Let's go to Arsenal, put on a proper good Brentford show. Let's show, let's show Arsenal what we're about. Show, show them what great football we can play. Play our best team. You know, we, we, you know all, all this analytics, all this research, all this scouting, all this, all this stuff that we do well. Let's go and showcase it. And uh, if we lose, let's lose trying to win it. Uh, let's not have a repeat of the uh, Chelsea away in the cup a couple of years ago. Because that explain to people, a lot of people don't know what you're talking about. So just explain. Well, we just didn't turn up, did we? We were absolutely dire. I think largely with the whole Scott Hogan. Shenanigans going on distracted us quite badly. Okay, and Scott Hogan again explained to people what happened. Sorry, happens. Scott Hogan was um, going well. Had was suffering from a supposedly suffering from a buttock injury caused by his upcoming transfer to, to Villa. Um, there was a bit lot of Willy Wilde play. He was on the bench, and then and that whole period around it, you know in in January, I think we had a really bad run of results as a result as as the outcome of it. And Chelsea was in the middle of that, and we just did it. I think we lost four, 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 what, four nil, wasn't it in the end? And it was just, it was. We all went there, hugely excited. As we're all going to Arsenal, you know, excited about it, and it was hugely disappointing. Because it was the manner of that game as well. It's, you know, they scored early, and then you think you you build yourself back into the game. They got another one, probably other just before one, just after half time, and it's, you know, it just just creates a kills an atmosphere. Similar to, do you remember Charlton in the Cup? We were like League One, Charlton were Premier League. We went with 5,000, and I think they scored in the 10th minute. And we thought, all right, well, let's get to half time, 0 0, or 1 0, just only 1 0. And then they scored straight after it was 2 0, and it's, the game's gone. That's the last one. But, you know, you want more of Chelsea at home, you know, when we were in League One. That was a great atmosphere, and even though we got hammered a bit in the in the replay, the first match, yeah, the first match was great, and even though we got hammered a bit in the replay, I think the atmosphere was still. It was still nil nil at half. Yeah, it was still nil exactly. nil at half time. We so we got to half time to nil nil. So yeah. you, you think you've you've got something? You're going to get something from yeah. the game. Yeah. So we just. But, you, stay but, in. but you, you know, you want Ben Rama to feature. You want Canos to feature at some stage. You know, you want more pay to go and show. Sawyer's. 
Yeah, of yes. course Sawyer's. Yeah, absolutely Sawyer's. Mepham, yes. Barbe, yes. You know, all our A-team, pick your A-team for that game. They, they, they must have enough energy in them at this stage of the season to go to Arsenal. They, must, they all want to play, Bill. Let's not pretend that they're... Listen, I, like I said to you, I spoke, I, I spoke to Malpe the week before last and I spoke to Ben Rama last and I asked them about the Arsenal game and they all said they're really looking forward to the Arsenal game. Even and, and also I spoke, to, I spoke to I spoke to I spoke to Barbe as well. I spoke to him in fluent French. French yeah, yeah. I spoke to all the French ones because all I I am French, as you know, and we spoke to him in fluent French. And we we had a very good conversation. And they all said uh, they were looking forward to to the game, all three of them. But they also want to keep a focus on the next game. So listen, you know that's how it goes. Look, Brentford fans are obviously very excited about this game. We've asked for tickets and more tickets and more tickets. We've got, I think, about 8,000 tickets from what I know. So anyone who wants a ticket, anyone who wants a ticket can get a ticket. It's going to be fairly straightforward to get a ticket for that game, from what I can understand. I don't think Brentford fans should need to be um, invading the uh, the Arsenal end like the Cologne fans did when they went down there and the Arsenal fans were crying because there was like all sorts of Germans like you know having fun in their end. They weren't causing problems. They were just excited because they, they couldn't get tickets in the, in the away end. So they bought tickets in the home end and they had a lot of fun just, just enjoying themselves on the day out and the Arsenal fans are, I've heard a few of them are a little bit worried because Brentford had sold out the relegation that they're going to be getting an invasion of Brentford fans in the Arsenal home end as well like, you know what I'm saying so we, we'll see how that'll, that'll pan out on its day maybe if anyone from the Arsenal ticket office is listening maybe they want to give us a few more tickets because I think we've sold out of our relegation there anyway but it's going to be an absolutely teeping tremendous day and we might even we think about it might even do our podcast from next week after the game, probably depending on the result, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, win or lose, we'll be on the booze anyway, and maybe we'll see whether or not we want to be just enjoying our evening, or whether or not we want to actually stick a microphone under everybody's noses and actually talk about our evening. So we'll talk about that. But listen, we've been talking a lot tonight because we've been very excited tonight because we've had a lot of information tonight. We've had two matches that we've already played, and we've got another two matches in the next couple of weeks. So a lot of info. So. I'm glad that you've stuck through it and we really appreciate you giving us support on the Besotted Pride of West London podcast or as we call it this week, it's the Dean Smith's Liquid podcast, the Liquid Football podcast and it's because we played Liquid Football is a quote from Matthew Benham. Liquid Football as we played against Wigan, absolutely teething tremendous but we'll have to change it back to the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Like I said to you, we are in the plough in Northfields, absolutely brilliant. They've taken really, really, really good care of us. It's just on the way down from... Um, Northfield Station on the way down to Griffin Park so you can stop in here for a quick pint on the way to the game we've even got t-shirts on Besotted with the liquid football tees if you check them out they may be up there uh, when you get this podcast now on Thursday if not they should be up there by the weekend liquid football because that's what we play but other than that listen thank you subscribe to us Besotted on YouTube Besotted on Twitter Besotted 1992 uh, all these things listen to our radio show on Monday 9 o'clock p.m. but Absolutely fantastic in the plough. Everybody, all my chums around here, as you say. Um, we're going to Derby on Saturday, as we say. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.